welcome to the Dr. Dion Show, where real conversations about diversity matter. I'm an educator and consultant specializing in diversity and inclusion. In this show, I interview top experts and people like you and me, highlighting issues like race, gender, and disability. I'm here to create change, expand your understanding of what diversity means, and to continue the mission toward equality so that everyone has a fair shake. This show is not for the faint of heart, so put on your big girl and big boy pants and ride along. Hello and welcome to the Dr. Dion Show. I'm excited because today I'm joined by Miss Jiffy Page, who is the founder and principal of Pixorium, which is a very, very fascinating business. Welcome, Jiffy. Well, welcome, Dion. It's so nice to be here with you. Well, I'm so happy to have you on. And uh, let's tell the audience how we met. Uh, I, I find it very, once again, this is, is another um, uh, perfect example of when you're open and you're about diversity and you don't have a, a screw face, you can meet anybody anywhere. So we met at an airport in Atlanta. Yes, we sure did. We were both waiting for the same flight. Exactly, exactly. And uh, I just happened to sit beside you. Actually, I asked if the, if the seat was, uh, was vacant. You said it was. And uh, you made a lovely comment about my girls, and we shook a conversation, and the rest is history. And here we are. <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> and, and, and interesting, we know some of the same people, which is very fascinating. Yeah, but I, you know, actually, getting back to your being open and, and to new experiences or whatever, I mean, I think you find that if you are. Often you do know some of the same people or have some some overlap that you wouldn't necessarily ever imagine. Exactly, exactly. The, 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 the and miracles that, that, that happen and the beautiful relationships that you can, that, that can develop if you just remain open and, and um, inviting. So it's such a pleasure to have you on today. Well, like I said, I am just delighted to be here. I've been looking forward to this. Um, so let's talk. Okay, let's do it. What is Pixorium? So Pixorium is a photo storytelling company. And what in the world is that? I think I'm the only one out there. Um, I started this company back in 2006 um, after watching all of the images on the TV of the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina. Hmm. And I have oh, been since I can ever, since I can think of it, fascinated by my family stories and moreover by my family photographs. And so as I watched the images on the TV, what did the people from Katrina want? They wanted to know the safety of their people. Mm -hmm. They wanted to know the safety of their pets. And the one thing they wanted to take with them were their family photographs, graphs, oh my goodness, their family photographs and memorabilia. Um, and I had started at my husband's urging, who is in uh, technology, uh -huh. I had started digitizing our own family photographs just myself. And he said to me, watching this, he said, you know, this has greater application than just us doing it. Uh -huh. And that was the genesis of Pixorium. Um, and it, so that is the scanning of images. But, but what, 
what I do differently, I, I am not out to scan every photograph out there, every slide, every negative. My whole reason for being is to help families preserve and share their stories. And it goes beyond just having digital copies of photographs or, as we have now, digital photographs. Uh -huh. It is the very intentional using of them to preserve and share our stories because family storytelling matters. Absolutely. So I'm sure there are many people, including myself, I have, I have um, especially after my parents passed away, I have a bag of old photos that have been sitting there for eons um, that I've not touched. I'm sure many people listening probably have that same experience right now. So I would come to you with that bag of pictures. And so we would go, would we go through it together or would you expect me to kind of select the, the photos that I think are most significant first or what is your process? Well, my process, first of all, welcome to the world of what I call photo overwhelm. Uh -huh. <laughs> again. My goodness. Wow. Yes. Because many of us, depending on how old we are, we're in the sandwich generation where we have not only the photos from our own families, Dion, your wonderful, your wonderful children, you've got all of those baby pictures and whatever, but when our parents either pass or downsize and go into, uh, you know, independent or assisted living, we are often the ones who receive all of their photographs as well. That's right. And all of a sudden you're just overwhelmed by those all these photographs and you have no idea what to do with them, A, and B, no idea, I mean, it's just, it's overwhelming. What do I do with them, whatever? And, and as you said, so what's the process? Mm -hmm. um, the process, there's some very, there is not one process. Everybody is different. However, there are some keystones that everybody goes through. And unfortunately, they all involve looking at the photographs. <laughs> okay, yes. It, it does involve opening the bag or uh -huh. opening the boxes and getting your hands in up to your elbows with all of those <laughs> photos and slide boxes and negatives and not being afraid. Um, I spend a lot of my time as a photo coach. I am huh. available to people to hire to sit with them as they dive into this, consider it like a trainer. Um, some, you, you, make the, you make the time to do this work often better if you know I am coming to see you. <laughs> You're right. And, and you, and, you created a whole new profession. Well, coach. yes, as a photo coach. So with some clients, they need me to come and sit and we will go through those photos and what, how we attack the project depends on what the goal of the project is. Uh -huh. Because, uh, for instance, I was working with a client yesterday who is moving and she our goal for right now is not to go through all the boxes and everything and edit them, uh -huh. but to simply organize the photos either by time and date in those envelopes that we got way back when. Remember the wonderful duplicates that we all got? Absolutely. Because so we could send them to grandma or whatever. 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> about half of what you have in your photo collection are probably duplicates. That, that makes sense. Absolutely. And the other... And the other group of them are photographs of, you know, five or six of the same photograph because when we were shooting film, Dion, uh -huh. we didn't know if somebody's eyes were going to be closed or if you know, <laughs> somebody's going to be scratching or whatever. So we took a whole bunch of pictures. Yes. But you don't have to do that as a first step. The first thing you can do, like I did yesterday with my client, was just let's get these things in order. Uh -huh. And of the, of the photos that are not in order, Mm -hmm. by time let's let's order them a different way like for instance yesterday she has three children she and her husband and extended family so we got these huge ziploc bags and we divided them into each of her photos of each of her children photos of she and her husband and her kids uh -huh. photos of extended family and then photos of just she and her husband huh. and that we've done that now for a couple of weeks. I've, I go once or twice a week, a couple of weeks, we got that done. We've got one more session this week and then she's moving. Wow. So, so that's one step of the process. Uh -huh. Just get them, just, just wrap your arms around them, find them, bring them down from the attic. Please don't have any in your attic or basement. Even if you do, if you or your listeners do anything, corral your photos that are in the attic or the garage or the basement mm -hmm. and put them in an interior closet okay. up off the floor huh. in the dark and make sure there are no water pipes over that space that you are using. I recommend the top, if you have a foyer uh -huh. and you have a coat closet, you know, when you walk in either to your apartment yes. or your home or wherever, well, there's usually a shelf there that, for me, I am not statuesque, is way too high, but that's a wonderful place to store family photos until you're ready to do something with them. So, so interesting. So I can understand why, why you wanted away from a water pipe. That's, that's a, a no-brainer. Um, so up off the floor, I guess, because if there's a flooding. So what yes. do you say, why, why in the dark? What does is, what is being in the dark help? What does that do? Be because light degrades photo images. Oh, interesting. Okay. So, okay. so for instance, photos that are in photo albums are just fine. They're flat, mm -hmm. they're in the dark, and you want to keep them in stable humidity and temperature. Okay. So if you've got them up there, but you, and which is why you have to get them out of your attic, basement, garage, barn, wherever they are. <laughs> Um, here in Atlanta, where we have um, very humid, hot summers, yes. yeah. those are terrible conditions mm -hmm. for photographs. For sure. um, and we, we were talking process, but I do want to say one more thing. Photos have lifespans. Okay. Huh. All right. So black and white prints, those really old ones that you've got that are sort of sepia, maybe from great-grandparents. Uh -huh. um, those last as long as they're kept well uh -huh. about about a hundred years i can believe that yes they're pretty stable things uh -huh. um color prints are good for about 50 or 60 years mm, okay so here's the wild thought 50 where 2018 50 years ago was 1968 wow 
Yeah. So think about think about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you no, know, I mean you 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 have the the clock running. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and depending on how old you are, I mean, 50 years ago, I mean, it doesn't feel like the 60s were 50 years ago, but they were. Yeah, it, it's it's amazing how the time just flies by. And then what yeah. about the, and what about the emotional piece? Because I I'm, I'm listening to you, and I'm and I and I I know where my photos are, and I know I'm going to have to get into a certain frame of mind to even go into those pictures yes. and to go through yes. them. So um so having a photo coach, um having you there to support is a huge thing because you know there's also some guilt associated with this because you feel like okay these things are so invaluable, um and yet. And you, and you know you should be doing something with them, but they're just sitting there, so you feel guilty as well. Yes, yes, so you do. Yes, okay, let all that go. Let all that go, because you and the person who lives next door to you and the person who lives down the street and everybody who's listening has a raft of, a raffle of <laughs> photographs. Yes. Okay? Mm -hmm. Kodak was one of the most successful businesses in this country, and thank you because now we all have photographs, which are awesome, but they are not all sacrosanct. Yes. They are not all precious. Mm -hmm. And part of my job and my calling here in the world is to say, they're not all precious, you can throw them away. But you have to go through them first because there are many in there that are precious and that you would be devastated to lose. Uh -huh. um, and you don't, unfortunately, know which those are. And so you do have to go through them and look at them and decide which are worth keeping and which are not. Okay. Um, I use, you know, we have scanned tens of, I mean, probably 100,000 photographs, slides, negatives, prints by now in the, in the 12 years of Pixorium. And within every collection, there are magnificent photographs. Um, magnificent because they tell a story. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes a photograph important. Mm -hmm. um, I tell the story of Big Daddy. I had a client a number of years ago who brought in, he had found this photograph of his great-grandfather, who uh -huh. was, um, as he affectionately referred to him, a dirt farmer in lower Alabama. Wow. This photograph of Big Daddy was one of those, you know, small brownie camera kind of photographs. Mm -hmm. I believe that he had taken, it was not of high photographic quality, okay. but it is a photo of a man with a sack, a heavy, clearly a heavy sack on his back hmm. of his yard, which had a, a thin barbed wire fence, and he's wearing overalls and boots, and his head is down. I'm looking at him now in my office, and he's got a hat on, and Looking at this photograph, you know everything that you need to know about why my client brought this tattered photograph to me and said, this is the man who made me who I am. Wow. That's you know that he's a hard worker. You know that he's tough as nails. You know that he has high expectations. Yes. And this, my client said, I want to scan this. I want to enlarge it to an 11 by 14. Remember, where our original was... A, a three by three tattered. Wow. 
because okay. I want to frame this and keep it in my house. Uh -huh. So my children know him uh -huh. and the score and I can tell the story of him and I want to hang it in my office because I want my employees to know this man who made me who I am. I love that. And that is why, Dion, I am not about scanning everything I can get my hands on. Yes. What I am about is finding those photographs that you would be devastated to lose. Mm -hmm. So we can digitize them and then share them with family. And I and love that. Remember. I love that because I remember uh, the first time we had a conversation you made that clear distinction. So you're not like, um, is it is it Shutterstock or what those those other companies where they just take photos and you and and uh, actually I, I shared that I'd gone on a cruise and I, I got a little um, book made of all their pictures. Yeah. And you said that you're not about the time. You're not about the timeline. You're about the theme. Yes. So, so that that kind of ties into what you're saying that you that your most important your 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 objective is to is to talk about the stories as opposed to just. Okay. This happened and that happened and this happened and that happened. So it's kind of like it's more it's it's deeper than than just the, the superficial that we normally see. Right. Because think about what's in your your uh, photos collection on your computer right now. Exactly. Just a whole a bunch of photos. So it's yeah. no different than the bag of stuff you got from your mom and dad, right? Very true. Um, it is about telling the stories. And one of the reasons when my husband suggested to me I start a business that um, you know, to help people preserve and share their stories, I went out looking for proof that it mattered because I knew that old family photos and old family stories were important to me, mm -hmm. but I didn't know whether it really mattered. Yes. Really. Well, I was delighted to find in my research that it does matter. And the results are, are being, or the, um, the research is being done right here in Atlanta at Emory University oh, really? by, by Dr. Robin Fivush uh -huh. and Dr. Marshall Duke helped her start it 20, 25 years ago. Huh. The, fa the Family Narratives Lab. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Now, now the Family Narratives Lab um, has nothing to do with family photographs. Uh-huh. But I met, I had the... I was fortunate to meet with Dr. Fibush and have a conversation with her about her work. And, um, you know, your listeners can go and look up the Family Narratives Lab uh -huh. um, online and see what they're doing. But basically, what they have found in their research uh -huh. is that families who tell family stories, not just of the successes, uh -huh. but also of the resilience. Absolutely. Um, have, it, it really affects children and adolescents. And yes. in fact, families who tell family stories about both the good times and the struggles right. have adolescents who have a higher level of self-understanding or self-esteem. I can believe that for sure. Because if you don't, if you don't know who you are, then, then, then how you, you have to know where you come from. So yes. I, I can see the value, the value in that. And, 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 and if you know that you're, that the people that came before you had overcome, um, 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 
unbelievable circumstances. I know you've, you've, you've talked, you, you've actually um, had clients that actually had um, slaves in, in their family. So to know, to, to know that you've had people in your background that actually overcame those types of circumstances, then, then who are you to complain about, you know, <laughs> not be able to cross the street or something, you know, just, well, just yeah, and the other part of it is there's, there's two things I want to say. One is funny. And the other is to that point. Mm -hmm. To that point first, it's a resilience issue. Yes. And it not only puts, and one of the reasons that I feel so strongly about coupling these stories and the photographs is because of that finding that reality, that these are my people. And mm -hmm. in fact, I look kind of like them, right? Yes. I mean, when you see an ancestor's yes. face, and you're like, oh, oh my, in my case, oh my God, that's where that nose came from, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Or, or, oh my God, they actually wore that to the beach. Have uh -huh. you seen photographs of like the 1920s beaches? Yes. They were wearing like wool suits, you know, wow. like, I mean, it's ridiculous. That grounds, that, that is a, such a strong foundation for the stories of the families. Yes. Um, the other thing that's really cute is that children who are in families that tell family stories find superheroes in their families. Absolutely. So that gives them, they're like, hey, my family has a superhero in it. Look, you know, and talk about, I mean, how empowering. Absolutely. How empowering. No, no um, problem. So anyway, um, now I've forgotten where I was going. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, you, no, you, you, no it's, it's, I love what you're saying because it's very, it's very true. Uh, because once you know, like I'll share a personal example that um, my grandmother uh, went back to, yeah, she, actually, ironically, I'm in, I'm in Massachusetts now. She went to MIT at 65 years old and got her master's degree. Wow. So knowing that information, okay, that means, okay, you know, I, I'm, I'm inspired. I was inspired. So I went back, I went back to school and she had kids and I went back to school and got my PhD. And I have in turn shared that with my, with my children and you can just, you can do whatever you want. So I, I, I do understand and I get the power of knowing who you are and where you, where you come from and, um, and hearing the, the struggles and the triumphs of your, of your family, because it, it really does make a difference to, 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 you, to feeling that strength, that, that generational strength. I, I, I firmly believe in that. And I love what you're doing. And I wanted to touch upon this one point because you, I was actually um, very lucky to see your work when we were at the airport. And uh, I'm not gonna share the name unless you want to, but I know you, you were actually doing the work of a, of a pretty prominent um, uh, political figure. Um, and um, I, I wanted to, to stress to the people listening that it's not, you, you do the pictures, but I also saw words beside them. You are, you actually do have a, uh, an editing background. You work with magazines. So it's, so it's not just picture, 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 but you also can lay it out in a manner where there's actually words along with it. You want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. Sure. I, um, I have always been drawn to telling stories in words and pictures. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, as, as my high school friend said to me when I started Pixorium, Jiffy, you're still doing yearbook. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was a yearbook editor. Yeah. And that's, and it's true. And I went from doing the yearbook to the magazine business and mm. I am drawn to 
the power that is inherent in the merging of graphics and photographs and words. Mm -hmm. So I am inspired by magazines, for instance, um, much more than a textbook, just yeah. visual. So my work with clients is not only to do what we talked about earlier, helping them, you know, find those big daddy photographs, as it were, or, or edit their collections, or just organize them, all of those things I do. But my, my, my passion and drive and background is also in what I call photo storytelling. And that is combining, intentionally combining words and photographs to tell stories. And I do that with clients, I have been so fortunate to have some marvelous clients who come to me with manuscripts already written, um, in which case then they're already edited, that's wonderful, and then I take it and we work together to find the photographs and caption them and design the books and get them printed and get them distributed. Um, I call those memoir books. That's they're not all that they're not all memoirs, but it's you know, I, I was in printing and I love that world. So it's a wonderful way for me to combine all these passions of mine. Um, and I have been fortunate to have a number of um, clients with, with well-known stories, particularly uh -huh. here in Atlanta. Um, the book that you saw, it was the story of the campaign of Michelle Nunn, uh -huh. who was the first woman from the state of Georgia to run for Senate. Um, she was defeated, and when we were talking with, you know, her her mother is the one who approached me about doing the, I've done two books for them. Uh -huh. um, one, a private family book, and the one that I showed you is much more of a public book um, okay. as a thank you for those people who worked so hard on that campaign. Uh -huh. but, um, but how do you tell the story of a defeat, okay? Wow. Think about that. Um, she, for a year and a half, Michelle Nunn, put her heart and soul and all of these volunteers and campaign staffers put their heart and soul of it for 18 months. And, yeah. then, and then you lose. That's tough. Really tough. So what's the story? And when we sat down to talk about telling this story, uh -huh. the focus is not on the loss. That's right. The focus and the story for that family. Remember, let's go back to why family stories matter. Yes. The focus of that story was we did it together. Uh -huh. your, your listeners may or may not know Michelle Nunn's father, Sam Nunn, uh -huh. was a senator from Georgia, um, a very effective, prominent senator um, in the 70s and 80s who uh -huh. was still working on the nuclear threat issues for our country. Um, so it runs, you know, the private story that we told was, this is what our family does. We yes. do public service. This is what we do. Absolutely. The other, the other story is, look at what we achieved by being the first woman uh, Senate candidate from Georgia. And look, look at what the campaign person. achieved. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. Say it again, sorry. Go ahead. I said, look at what this coming together to run about the issues that we felt were important achieved. Exactly, exactly. 
And I was and I was saying that um, you know, look at look at the, the risks that she took. I mean, the amazing risk she took. Many people just sit back and say, I wish, I wish, I wish that they don't do that. So for her to have that risk that she took um documented, I think it's I think that I think that's the victory there. I think it's amazing that, that she yeah. did that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I I am delighted and honored to be um to be able to help the family tell that story. Um, and to to sort of help them see it and reframe it and be something to celebrate. Absolutely, big time. Yes, very nice, very nice. Um, and so, so can you just talk about how culture plays into this? Because you know, this is a, a diversity show uh, predominantly. Yes. And then, of course, we met because of we just decided, you know what, diversity is important. So we spoke to each other in the airport. Uh, but but can you talk about how culture plays into this? Because I'm sure not all families are the same. Um, and um, like, so how, how do you approach that? Not all families are the same and not all cultures are the same. Right. There, are, there are some similarities and the similarities are this. I have African-American clients. I have Jewish clients. Um, I have clients whose families are immigrants to the United States. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, uh, uh, European immigrants, Western European immigrants. Um, everybody's stories are different. The culture makes it different, significantly different. Yes. For instance, in the case of my African American clients, mm -hmm. they're, uh, they're, most of them don't have a lot of family photographs. Photography in the 1800s was extraordinarily expensive. Uh -huh. And um, I have a number of, of uh, clients, um, white clients, brown clients who, who don't have photos because of the expense. I have some who do. But here in, in the South in particular, enslaved people's families were bereft of history, of any sort of recorded history. Right, exactly. So oral histories are very important in that culture. Uh -huh. And no, you know, and the storytelling is huge. Um, the the um, the Library of Congress, for instance, is a wonderful location for African American families to find oral histories of um, Afri of enslaved people around the time of the Civil War. They have um, an oral history project, Voices from the, I think it's the Day of, of Emancipation. Uh -huh. I may be wrong on that. The other place to go for that sort of thing is the National Archives. Mm -hmm. um, but the photographs are hugely important in for that community as you know, as much as for any community, because they're still discovering their family histories. I mean, the changes in technology have allowed for genetic and DNA searching that we didn't have prior to 1985. That's right. Um, and so my African-American clients have the ability to do research and find family members that, you know, 20 years ago they couldn't do. Yeah. Um, 
They're painful stories, however. Absolutely. And one of the things that I find with working with families with enslaved ancestors or my Jewish clients, families who fled persecution and death in the death camps, that first generation that came over here, they don't want to talk about it. And, well, you, can, and you can understand why, good heavens. Absolutely. It's, it's, I mean, it's very difficult. Like, uh, you know, I, my, my last, my maiden name is Wright. My married name is Poulton. I, I, I trace back the last name Poulton. There's a place called Poulton the Field in, 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 um, in England. And that was, it was actually a stop along the slave trade. So uh, it's, it's, it's very, when you, when you peel back the onion, you, you recognize that there's a lot of, a lot of grief um, that yes. ancestors, ancestors have gone through. And it's, it's, it's a difficult process to, to really, really embark on that type, that type of journey to, find out what you know who are you <laughs> really and where you came from so but we now know and in the conversation now and in, in the conversations happening societally mm -hmm. that knowing your history is very very important to knowing yourself yes and it's and, and now we have the ability to do it um we are also generationally dion further from those traumatized individuals who made very difficult choices or had horrible things thrust upon them yes they had to escape and so it's even more important that we talk to our elders who are still alive and knowing that the truth is relative you know nobody's memory is a hundred percent truthful uh-huh but Recording the stories is simple. You know, anybody with a smartphone has a recording app. It's true. You know, here in the United States, we celebrate Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. What a wonderful opportunity to sit around and record your elders' stories mm -hmm. that they heard from their elders. That's our link for those traumatized communities. Mm -hmm. um, Ancestry.com has become a, you know, has opened up the world also to finding stories. Um, but again, I encourage your listeners to dig into those bags that you and I started talking about. Yes. Of those photos that we have inherited from our families. Because in there are not only the storytellers. Mm -hmm but the stories and additional links to our past that the stories um, will be enhanced by. Like I said, being able to see that I look like this person or I recognize, um, you know, they are anchors. The photos provide anchors for these stories that are so important for us to know about ourselves. Mm -hmm. I absolutely, I love what you're doing. And uh, I already talked about, I'm going to, I'm going to definitely, um, call upon you and, and uh, sit down at some point to, to, to I, I really, I need to do this. And, 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 you know, nothing happens by chance. I think it was serendipitous for us to meet and uh, not just because, you know, we're, you're amazing, um, but, um, but, but for many, for, for many reasons, you know, you, you meet people for a reason and um, your business is incredible. And I encourage my listeners to reach out to you. How can they find you? Oh, they can find me at Pixorium, P I X O R I U M. Dot com. Um, I'm on Facebook at, you know, Pixorium. I'm on Instagram, which is, I think, Pixorium-ATL. 
Um, I am located in Atlanta, but I do work with clients um, virtually and also in person. I have a client in Kansas City who I am working with on a family history book. Um, my passion and my whole reason for being Dion is to help people share their family stories and preserve and share their family photographs. And I so appreciate this opportunity to talk with you about this and get on my soapbox a little bit. Um, <laughs> it's, it is, it can be overwhelming, mm -hmm. but it can be equally fun and valuable. It yeah. is a task that, you know, my clients uniformly, if, you know, your readers go, your readers, your, it's, the, it's the book thing. Um, if your listeners go onto the website, um, I, my, my clients tell the story better than I do and have them read some of the things that my clients have said just about the process and about the feeling and the, you know, the value that they got out of this what might very well feel like a tedious and or guilt, you know, guilt producing situation. Yes. Yes. Well, no doubt your passion came through today and uh, we all got some really great education on, on the importance of uh, preserving your pictures and, and uh, where to keep them and where to store them. And uh, just, you know, the importance of, of why we should, we should be focusing on, on, on making sure that, that our, our, our people that come after us and before us, are, are, their stories are told, and that, um, and that our children know who they, who, they, who they are and where they came from. I, I, I got a lot out of this interview, so thank you so much again for coming on today, Jiffy. Well, thank you so much, Dion, for inviting me, and I am delighted to be here, and it is so fun to meet people you're sitting next to in the airport. <laughs> Take out, take out your earbuds and talk to the person next to you. I know it's an old school thing to do, but look where it leads. There you go. Say that again, exactly. Miss Jiffy Page, thank you so much for coming on today. She is the founder and principal of Pixorium. Reach out to her and get those pictures moving. Thank you, Jiffy. Thank you, Dion. You take care. All the best. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.